This podcast is brought to you by the Pro Bono Institute. PBI is a nonprofit organization that supports, enhances, and helps to transform the pro bono efforts of major law firms, in-house corporate legal departments, and public interest organizations in the U.S. and around the world. Welcome to the Pro Bono Happy Hour. I'm your host, Nihad Mansour, Assistant Director of the Law Firm Pro Bono Project. This episode will contain advice on best practices when litigating claims for attorney fees in prisoner cases. Last fall, PBI participated with the Western Center on Law and Poverty, the Los Angeles Bar Association, and the Legal Aid Association of California in an amici curiae brief filed with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. The brief supported Daniel Cisneros' appeal of a district court decision denying attorney fees for his counsel, the law firm of Reed Smith. Reed Smith is a Law Firm Pro Bono Project member and Law Firm Pro Bono Challenge Signatory. PBI participated in the proceedings in order to stand up for pro bono counsel receiving attorney fees in appropriate circumstances. The district court failed to award attorney fees to Reed Smith despite Cisneros prevailing on the substantive case against the state of California and applicable statutes providing for such an award. Quote, mainly because counsel Reed Smith represented Cisneros pro bono. In addition, the district court considered relevant that Reed Smith is a large law firm with over 1,500 lawyers in 32 offices, and that given the size and reputation of the firm, the representation did not jeopardize the profitability of the firm, unquote. In May of 2022, the Ninth Circuit ruled in Reed Smith's favor, holding that the district court improperly relied on Reed Smith's pro bono representation in denying an attorney fees award the court remanded the case back to the district court to make an appropriate award. Reed Smith partner, Brian Sutherland, was the lead lawyer on the successful appeal, briefing, and argument. Today, I'm privileged to be exploring the lessons learned from this case with one of Brian's colleagues, Chris Walters, senior pro bono counsel at Reed Smith. Chris was integral in successfully pursuing this appeal and has reflected on what this means to the pro bono community. Chris shared more about Daniel Cisneros versus Jay Van Gilder, the California court case that led Reed Smith to decide to appeal. First, we at Reed Smith, we want to thank PBI for helping us by filing an amicus curiae brief in this Ninth Circuit case we will discuss on this podcast. And that amicus brief pointed out the importance of attorney fee awards in pro bono cases. So we want to thank you very much for filing that amicus. Now, in the case, our pro bono client, Mr. Cisneros, he was a prisoner at California's maximum security prison, Pelican Bay Prison. He and other inmates suffered injury when the prison staff negligently discharged a dangerous chemical agent into the air and then failed to provide needed medical attention and treatment to the affected inmates. We filed civil rights claims under both federal and state statutes, both of which provided that a prevailing party could recover a reasonable attorney fee. For purposes of the trial, our Cisneros case was consolidated with that of another inmate, Mr. Manriquez who had brought identical claims arising from the same chemical discharge as had affected Mr. Cisneros. 
The jury awarded each of these two plaintiffs an identical $2,500 verdict. Each plaintiff's counsel later moved for attorney's fees as a prevailing party under the federal and state statutes upon which the cases were brought. The trial judge, he correctly awarded a $250,000 attorney fee to Manricus's counsel. But the same judge then turned around and declined to award any fees to Reed Smith. The court commended the quality of Reed Smith's work and held the amount, the amount that we had requested to be reasonable. Yet the court awarded zero fees because we were acting pro bono without expectation of a fee, he said. And we were a large firm as well whose size and reputation, he said, meant that our profitability would not suffer from lack of a fee award in this case. By contrast, fees were awarded to Manricus's counsel because they were a small firm that had taken the matter on on a contingent fee, not pro bono. We immediately decided to appeal, not because of any lost fees, but because this decision would have represented a terrible precedent for all large law firms, indeed all firms taking on pro bono cases in the future. So that's why we decided to appeal. There were two main points of Reed Smith's appeal. And we succeeded on both. The first was that the pro bono status of a representation is not a valid basis to deny a fee award. The second point was that a law firm's size, reputation, or profitability is not a valid basis to deny a fee award. These were the main points of the appeal. And the rationale for the Ninth Circuit decision is that the purpose of statutes authorizing fee awards in civil rights or public interest cases is after all to encourage all lawyers, large firms, small firms or whatever, to undertake these cases that are in the public interest, but frankly are not economically attractive for the lawyers. Chris shared why it was important to pursue the award of attorney fees from the state of California. Pursuing uh, attorney fee awards in these cases is important for two reasons. In fact, one reason was uh, often cited by the founder of Pro Bono Institute, Esther Lardent. <laughs> she often told us, pursue your attorney fees if they're available, because she said this was a deterrent or would be a deterrent to wrongdoers. So whether you wanted your fees, or you didn't want your fees, it would serve as a deterrent if you pursued them. That was reason number one, uh, why we pursue fees and why it's important. But also uh, related to that, as a very practical matter, pursuing fees in these pro bono cases makes settlement or early settlement of the case a whole lot easier and more likely. It produces better results for the clients. Think about it. If you're sitting down in the settlement conference with a federal judge or whatever, 
And the defense is only worried about the fact that your client might get a $5,000 verdict. How incentivized are they to offer you any, anything at all but peanuts? You know? On the other hand, if, you're, if you have a, a statutory cause of action which authorizes an award of attorney fees to the prevailing party, suddenly the defense understands that if the case goes to the jury and is lost, and the plaintiff, pro bono plaintiff becomes the prevailing party, the defense might have to pay $200,000, $400,000, some major amount of money. Uh, so they have every incentive, therefore, to settle the case. In other words, pursuing attorney fee awards acts as a major club at the negotiating table when trying to settle a case. The second part of your question was, um, what were the benefits of getting fees? Well, of course, if a law firm gets a fee award as we have received one here, uh, you know, the, the amount of money, in this case, a six-figure amount that we received, it helps to defray the expenses that are always being incurred in the firm's pro bono program. So that's certainly a significant benefit. Perhaps another benefit is that an internal benefit within the law firm. Because recovering a significant attorney's fee probably makes the pro bono program look good in the eyes of firm management. It certainly cannot hurt. Given the facts of this case, I asked Chris if he saw a pattern of trial courts making it more difficult for attorneys to collect attorney fees from opposing parties where the prevailing party was represented on a pro bono basis. I would say no, not that I see. Um, and we reviewed an awful lot of these matters when we did the briefing and argument of this case, or my partner did, Brian Sutherland. I would say instead, the main resistance to fee awards has not come from the courts. It's come in just in prisoner cases from Congress. Uh, Congress in 1995 passed the Prison Litigation Reform Act, which almost legislated away attorney fee recoveries in prisoner cases, made them almost non-existent. So that's the major hurdle uh, to uh, recovering attorney fees in pro bono cases, and it applies really only for prisoner cases uh, and not to other cases. They made, the they made the argument at the time that there were too many frivolous prisoner cases hmm. and that uh, somebody should cut back on that. And the Congress therefore passed that Prisoner Litigation Reform Act, making it very difficult for lawyers for these prisoners to receive attorney fees in any significant amount. Early in 2022, Reed Smith was awarded victory in the Ninth Circuit regarding attorney fee awards. But what does this mean for the availability of similar awards in pro bono cases going forward? Well, I'm happy to answer this one because our win there in the Ninth Circuit set a very clear and positive precedent. And not from just any court. It was from a federal court of appeals. And the precedent is that entitlement to fees, attorney fees, 
does not depend on the pro bono status of the representation. And it does not depend at all on the size of the law firm or its reputation or its profitability. These factors are irrelevant. Um, but you know, if we had not appealed uh, the original decision declining to provide us attorney's fees, there then would have been on the books a terrible precedent that applications and applicants for future fees, uh, they could have been attacked or defeated in their fee requests based on these kinds of invalid and irrelevant factors. Things like the pro bono status of the lawyers or the size of the law firm. Uh, so uh, that is why we immediately appealed. Looking to the future, does the Cisneros case suggest any best practices for law firms wishing to obtain attorney fee awards when representing a client on a pro bono basis? And should firms regard Cisneros as valuable precedent? Well, first, firms certainly should regard Cisneros as a valuable precedent. I know it's the Ninth Circuit uh, did not publish this uh, decision. Uh, it all, the, these courts of appeals always make their own decisions whether or not to publicize a case. Um, they didn't publicize this one, but nonetheless, it's a very well-reasoned opinion. It serves as a very valuable and positive precedent going forward uh, in pro bono cases. Um, I would say that in terms of best practices, something we learned or relearned from the experience we had with this Cisneros case, that in the subset of pro bono cases that are prisoner cases, just in that subset, this case really taught us this. Do not depend on 42 USC section 1988 for your attorney fee award. That's what lawyers could safely do 25 years ago or more. Do not depend on it anymore because of the prison Litigation Reform Act. Nowadays, you will get peanuts if that's the only basis upon which you seek attorney fees. Instead, when you do the complaint or amended complaint, try to find and assert some state statutory cause of action as well as the federal cause of action. Find a state statute that authorizes fees to the prevailing party. We call these fee-shifting statutes. See if you can find a state fee-shifting statute that would apply to the conduct in question, and then bring that state law claim into the case along with your federal uh, case, uh, federal cause of action. In these prisoner cases I'm talking about. And, you know, in our Cisneros case, had the case only proceeded on the federal claim, the federal cause of action, we would have been entitled to around $2,000 in attorney fees after two and a half years of robust, rigorous litigation, $2,000. And that was because of the limitations in the Prison Litigation Reform Act. 
By contrast, the state cause of action that we brought, it was under California Code of Civil Procedure 1021.5. That entitled us to a full reasonable attorney's fee. And so when we won this case, while we got peanuts uh, for the federal cause of action in terms of an attorney fee, for our state cause of action, we were entitled to and, and have received a six-figure attorney fee recovery. So in terms of best practices, when bringing a prisoner civil rights case, try to find a parallel state cause of action to bring with your federal cause of action so that you can actually get a reasonable attorney fee if you're the prevailing party. I think that's the lesson we learned or relearned. We love to be able to help folks who can't afford to pay by providing pro bono representation in litigations. Uh, the, in terms of getting an attorney fee, that's kind of the cherry on top of the ice cream. Uh, but uh, in prisoner cases, it's become more difficult, uh, as I explained. And, and the only way to get around the difficulty is to try to find the state cause of action that goes along with your typical federal civil rights claim. Um, but it was certainly fun to uh, take the precedent that we were initially faced with, declining any fees and turn it around and get a decision from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, soundly rejecting that approach and awarding us fees and uh, commending us for uh, working so hard to get them. <laughs> Thanks to Chris Walters for his leadership and thoughtful remarks. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Pro Bono Happy Hour. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Pro Bono Happy Hour.